good morning, good day, and good evening. I think this is episode 203, I want to say, but it is also the first episode we're recording in the year of 2024, and today we have a really interesting guest on the show. Welcome, Matthew Commandon from the Lutris Project, the founder and, I guess, biggest contributor on the project still? I don't assume anyone's contributed more to it than you have. Uh, no, I don't think so, but yeah, I have like a good contributors too, I mean, and yeah. It's grown uh, quite yeah. a bit over the years. Um, I only heard about it maybe like three or so years ago, but doing my research on it, I didn't realize just how long the project had been around for. No, it's going to be, uh, this year it's going to be 15 years old. Wow. Like the project, yes. It started like in 2009. Um, and even before that, I had like a little, like a few ideas about like running games on Linux, but not like the Lutris project, maybe like some side ideas. But yeah, like this year is going to be 15 years old. Jesus. 2009, uh, like the first prototype. Mm. Um, if you look around, you may find like an old blog in French, mm. uh, where I talked like about like the first announcements, uh, for Lutris. And yeah, that was a really different world back then. So I'm sure most people probably know, but just for anyone who doesn't, uh, give a brief explanation on what Lutris is and what problem it's trying to solve. So the, the initial goal of Lutris was making it easy for everyone to play as many games as possible on Linux. Mm -hmm. um, so that was meaning like gathering like a whole bunch of tools. What we call runners, mm -hmm. which is like a concept that um, is a bit opaque uh, for some, uh, because it refers to to a collection of software that we ship, mm -hmm. and that's used to, to run the games, actually. So we have uh, Wine, which is like the biggest one, mm -hmm. uh, but we also have MAME, we have RetroArch, we have Dolphin, Basically, any like we have GZ Doom, we have ScumVM, basically anything that can run like multiple games that will serve as the basis of a, of a runner. Mm -hmm. So, and it will uh, handle like several uh, gaming platforms. So, for example, Wine, it will be Windows games, uh, DOSBox for the MS DOS games, and you have like those multi platform uh, runners too, like MAME, RetroArch. But over time, I mean, uh, Linux, like gaming on Linux, like improved quite a bit. And the goal for Lutris has kind of like evolved with that in the, the sense that it was less and less of a challenge to get the games running on Linux. So we didn't need like as much as tinkering as we used to. So we were in a position where we got the games running on Linux and they're running like really good. And now the goal is just like keeping that around. <laughs> so we have like that, those, those games running like a, a huge number of them. And let's make sure that they stay that way for the foreseeable future. <laughs> and I'm not saying like just like two or three years like in the future, I'm talking about like 20, 25 years. Like, like let's make sure that we keep like our legacy of video games uh, playable, mm -hmm. like, like for the the the, the foreseeable future, and yeah, that's that's been like um, 
the new priority for Lutris mm -hmm. because it was more than just like game, like running games on Linux. That's pretty much a soft problem. Uh, Valve has helped a lot with that. Uh, so yeah, we focus more on keeping that those running and improving the situation. There's obviously still a couple of issues, most notably with like weird anti-cheat stuff, especially when you're dealing with the like rootkit style uh, anti-cheat that you see in a lot of uh, Riot games, for example. Um, mm. I know there was a time where a lot of people were playing League of Legends on Linux, for example, and as of late, they've started messing around with their anti-cheat system that's caused a lot of problems there. Um, uh, yeah, so... Right now, you can still play League of Legends. We've had like an update recently. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, that was like a few weeks ago. It was broken, mm -hmm. and then we had a fix for it. But uh, don't hold on to it like <laughs> too too much yeah. because uh, there was uh, a live stream from Riot Games where they said they would introduce uh, Vanguard. So that's yeah. the anti-cheats that's used for Valorant. Um, that's coming end of February, beginning of, of March. And if that's the case, that means like no more League of Legends mm -hmm. on, on Linux at all. Like no fix will ever like fix that. I mean, there's like no solution for like making that run. Um, so yeah, you can just say goodbye to League of Legends. And if you, and for the longest time, League of Legends has been like the top game in Lutris, the mm -hmm. one with the, the most like installs. Um, and that's just going to go away. And that's, yeah, that's kind of too bad. Uh, it's kind of the same for like any game that's based on a really, like on a live service. Mm -hmm. um, it's not quite, quite the same as with um, anti-cheats because anti-cheats, I mean, the game is still maintained. You can still play it on Windows. Um, but over time, like all those games that depend on on a server, right, right. like on some some uh, online service, once the online service becomes unavailable, whether it's like anti cheat is not does not work, or uh, the 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 game server just plain shut down shuts down, mm -hmm. then you cannot preserve that that video game, yeah, um, yeah. So unless you come up with some solutions where you re-implement the the backend server, which is like a lot harder. Mm -hmm. Uh, then yeah, those games are gone. So I don't know how what to make of it because um, in this that sense, I mean Fortnite already like isn't we can't preserve it. League of Legends like you can't preserve it either if you don't like have a way to to run like the the, the backend service. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure what to position myself with that. It's like a, a really tricky thing like that. Yeah, those online games. The good thing is that a lot of online games now work, mm -hmm. even those using EAC or BattleEye. You have a lot of uh, publishers that said, yeah, okay, we'll enable like the Linux bits uh, for EAC. And now uh, you have a bunch of games that still work. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's not the same EAC. You have like EAC that's just like the normal anti-cheats, and then you have like the EAC that's the full-blown like kernel uh, level mode, and and Vanguard like is basically the same thing as the, the, this uh, setting for EAC. So that's I mean is unlikely to work ever in Linux. Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, there's not not really a good solution um, unless we see some kind of like bridge, like from the Linux kernel, like to the anti-cheats. But that's kind of involved. That's not something I'm capable of doing with my skill sets. I know so, there was some yeah. discussion or work on something similar to that being done with the Wine team. I don't know how far that moved past like the early stages, and that obviously would be a giant project to do. Um, it would be awesome if yeah. it could happen at some point, but I, I just, I, I, I wouldn't put my money on it happening. I would want the, yeah. like, the, the preferable solution there is Vanguard to do something similar to what was done with EAC and Battlelive, where they do offer a version that does work properly on Linux, but that still doesn't deal with the, like, the ultimate, uh, preservation issue like you're still going to have this issue where if you're playing a game like genshin impact for example when the servers go down yeah it's all gone it, it's gone yes um yeah that's that's a kind of tricky because do we want really games to inter interfere with um the, the kernel like to have like kernel access to to your system so that's i mean it's also it's at the same time a blessing and a curse because um those games they don't work so that's too bad but also we're kind of protected on linux from those games that's kind of overreach that's do things that maybe they shouldn't be doing mm -hmm. i mean it's not really i mean games using like kernel level features i mean maybe we should find some better solutions than that so yeah maybe that's we're protected against the game itself that could be like doing like anything on your system uh but uh, also you can't play the game so that's as i said it's a blessing and a curse because i don't i knew do not that most linux users away like the mentality of linux mm -hmm. is that they wouldn't want those kernel entities running on 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 the system mm -hmm. uh but also they they power those games that are really popular um so it's a big trade-off to make so you, you trade off like more security like more like your privacy in your system but also you don't get those popular games it's it's kind of tricky there's like no good solution um running a vm most of the time is not a solution because uh, those games will, will also detect that you're running in a vm yeah you, you so... can for a lot of cases get like really hardware spoof vpn uh, um vms but it's VM, a yeah. lot more complex than just you know mm. firing up VirtualBox and just being done with it like you got to really understand how a virtual machine works what you need to configure what little things it's going to look for that might set it off like a, a basic thing like if you have a a cpu being reported by your vm and that clock rate it has isn't exactly what the clock rate of that chip should be like that's enough to set mm. off some of these vm detection systems and it's, it, that's yep. just a basic basic one that you can hide there are, it, it goes so much deeper than that and it's just it's not something the average person's ever going to be able to do like they want to be able to just fire up a game and it hopefully just works yeah um I mean, one like the best solution right now is just to use like some kind of streaming service. Yeah, I still have a subscription to uh, GeForce Now, mm -hmm. and that works well enough if you want to play Fortnite or Destiny Two. Mm -hmm. uh, the Riot games are not on there, so that's there's no solutions really for like Valorant. Uh, 
pretty much if you want to play Valorant or uh, League of Legends in a few months, uh, you will have to do all boot with Windows. I mean, there's no way around that, I think. So, yeah, or find some other games to play. I don't know. I mean, I've <laughs> never been a big fan of uh, League of Legends, so I'm not losing anything. Um, but yeah, I know, I know it's really, like, it's hugely popular. And that's too bad. That's, yeah, I mean, uh, this, this has been, like, the biggest game, like, on, on Utrecht for ages. Um, I wish there were a solution. I, was, I would could do, like, something more. But sadly, yeah, that's not the case. Or I, I hope that maybe Riot will push back. I mean, they've, they've talked about, like, introducing Vanguard into League of Legends for years now. Mm-hmm. And they're only talking about doing it now. So maybe they will, like, postpone it like mm-hmm. even further never do it maybe i don't know um they do have like a mac version of league of legends yeah which so is funny know, because my understanding is you can't do like ring zero anti-cheat on mac yeah on mac so i don't know they don't have like uh, there's not a, a whole ton of works involved to port um league of legends on linux if you use things like uh, dxvk native which will let you like not have to re- rewrite your entire like graphics track stack. Mm. They could port it pretty easily. I mean, it wouldn't be much more effort than maintaining the the Mac version. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they have the means to do that. They just don't want it. <laughs> that's too bad. Yeah, I think that's where it'll come back down to. They just don't want to do it. I would. Mm. Obviously, I don't have numbers on this, but I can't imagine the audience on macOS is that much bigger than the audience on Linux. I mean, if we uh, take the numbers from Valve, like the the Steam survey, mm-hmm. the the Linux users are there are more Linux users than Mac, mm-hmm. at least for video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that like for like general computing usage, there's like probably more Mac. Oh, definitely, still. yeah. Uh, but when we're talking. Uh, about the gaming, um, Macs have been like so. Uh, it's been such a struggle to keep games running on Mac because they keep like deprecating like 32 bits, and now they're switching to whole new architecture. Yep. And you still have some compatibility layers and everything to get your games running, but it's it's a process mm. really. So uh macs have really become like this weird platform to run games on so i hope like on on steam itself that's done already if you combine uh desktop linux plus steam deck we're already more than uh mac users Mm -hmm. and maybe that will i mean maybe some publishers like uh riot games like uh, epic games they will take that into account and say okay well we have this platform that has more like potential gamers than Mac, so maybe we should support it. Wasn't there a statement from? I think it was a statement from Epic Games or something like, "If Linux has three hundred million users, we'll support Linux." Or it was some dumb number like that. Where it was just like, "Oh yeah, no, but that was like a <laughs> statement from like Team Sweeney." Yeah, yeah, Team Sweeney said like, it a little while ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was like not really that long ago. I think it was a few weeks yeah, I... uh, ago. And it was to saying, yeah, like a few million users, which it has already, I think. it's uh, The Steam Deck already has shipped uh, a few million units. Yeah, um, here it is. Um, Fortnite on Steam Deck. Tim Sweeney says Valve need te- uh, needs tens of millions of users to justify it. 
Yeah, and I guess there's probably like it's going to get there, like tens of millions yeah. of users. Uh, if it's not there already, um, it, it keeps like uh, the Steam Deck still is on top of the uh, on the Steam sales. You can you still see it on top like uh, all the time. It doesn't drop. Um, no, and it's keep like bringing up like the Linux stats every month. It gets like a little bit bigger. Yeah, the Linux so... stats are funny because of the Steam Deck. It just it, when you look at like the hardware survey, it's not the Linux hardware survey now. It's just the Steam Deck hardware survey. Like the entire the every single Pretty top much, thing yeah. is just the Steam Deck. So I think like five hundred. Yeah. Uh, go on. Um, it it would be like maybe better to have a, um, a separate Steam Deck yeah. uh, <laughs> category yeah, and a probably. Linux one. So we would. See, because right now it's like the 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 team that kind of eclipses like the whole yeah. rest of the Linux desktop. Um, I mean, it's which is not a really a bad thing. I no, mean, it's not. It, it just makes the numbers like kind of success. weird. Um, it makes like a Linux a really successful platform. Mm -hmm. I'm not like against it. Because um, I think, uh, yeah, I think if you go to, like, the specific Linux section, it says, like, 256 hard drives are now, like, the biggest hard drives on Linux, which is entirely because of the original model Steam Deck, which is the one that most people were buying, the uh, the, the mid-tier one. Um, <laughs> it, you said it's not, a, it's not a bad thing. It just makes the numbers... It, it makes the numbers really weird and sort of not as meaningful as they used to be. But... You know, if you really yeah, care about the Steam like, hardware server anyway. Yeah, I mean, it does like have a, a, some limited value. They, mm -hmm. they, they still have, they still are useful. They are not to be treated as like the ultimate truth. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it gives like a, a general like, understanding where like Linux gaming is, is headed to. And um, it, it's like a nice way to have a look at the, the trends and everything like that. So... Uh, it's still useful. Um, I don't see it as um, like some people. They will go crazy when they have like a Steam survey on their on the desktop, and they're mm. like, "Oh, yo, yeah, I got the Steam survey." Oh, I mean, yeah, it's kind of random. It doesn't like mean much, um, but yeah, it's, it's still some valuable because it's one of those few sources that we have to compare like ourselves to like. The, the the windows mm -hmm. uh gamer mass or the mm -hmm. the mac gamers and now that it's closing in on two percent like the early on you saw the numbers just weirdly change like when you have less than i remember when it was less than a percent like mm -hmm. the numbers would just jump up and down every single month it wasn't really indicating it that well just because the user base was so small that any tiny amount of extra linux users who got the survey really it really heavily influenced what was going to happen. Now that we're like closing in on 2%, like the numbers are a lot more, they're growing, but they're a lot more stable yeah. than they were before. Yeah, because when it was only desktop Linux, um, I think one of the things that would influence like the numbers was uh, like during the, the summer, there would be like more people like on vacation yeah. and would more like people like using Linux. So you would <laughs> see like the, the numbers going up. Mm -hmm. And then in September, you would see like the numbers going back down. And it was like going this doing the same thing like every year. I don't know if we're going to see that anymore because yeah, because of the Steam Deck and mm -hmm. uh, people have just this device that's running Linux constantly. Mm -hmm. um, 
but now I'm not like yeah, I'm so hopeful that's with that video game aspect like kind of solved. Like we we have like a major part of the the gaming ecosystem that's pretty much a solved problem. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that will help seeing like the 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 numbers in like Linux desktop, the regular one, like not Steam Deck, mm-hmm. go up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's something I'm hopeful in the future. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely hopeful for that as well. Um, let's get, like actually get back to the, uh, the 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 main reason I brought you here, the Lutra stuff, not just general Linux stuff. Um, so most people, when they start one of these like gaming projects, they have a specific mm. game in mind that they are trying to play. Did you have a specific game? at the time that was like, this is the reason why I'm going to start this project? Or was it just like, I generally want to make gaming better in this in this space? Well, yes and no. Mm-hmm. So I had something uh, in mind. Uh, so let's think, it was like a, a 15 years ago or yeah. more. That was even before Lutris existed. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was tinkering with like getting games to run on Linux. And mm-hmm. one of the big games at the time was uh the older scroll for oblivion mm-hmm. and like my first um ui i wrote in python was this kind of like mini uh configuration tool for launching uh oblivion on linux that would like apply some settings that would apply some command line arguments uh that will i think it was replacing a texture somewhere to fix a, a bug. <laughs> so that was like really simple, really basic. You had like a button, like three buttons on the, in the window or something. Um, and in some way that was kind of what got it started, <laughs> but also, so there, uh, at the time there was this, uh, there was, uh, Play on Linux was already there. But by about But Play on years. Linux was, huh? I, I, uh, yeah, uh, 15 years ago, yeah, it was already in the service. No, no, like, that's uh, what I'm saying. I, I play on Linux was out for about two years by the time that Lutris uh, came out. Um, I'm not exactly sure when Play on Linux came out, but yeah, it was here like a I few say years it was before. 2007. Yeah, that might be. A, yeah, so that would be like two years. Um, and and the thing it was like fo- heavily focused on Windows games, mm-hmm. and. One big issue I had was like not only with Windows games because at the time we were like one wine wasn't as good as it as it is now, mm-hmm. and Linux native games weren't as bad uh, as they are now. So okay. they were better, like yeah, um, because a lot a lot of the the Linux native games they come out they run great and over time they kind of break themselves yeah. like compatibility becomes worse and worse and it becomes harder harder to get to keep those games running mm-hmm. so all the games you had at the time they were working great and now those games they they're like kind of hard to to get working yeah um so we had some a, a lot of hopes regarding uh native games and also like open source games that were like pretty much like one of your only options uh when running Linux, is you had to use a lot of those open source games, so uh, Open Arena, Xonotic, uh, all those games. We wanted to make them like uh, give them more exposure. Um, so that's why I wanted Super Tuxcart. <laughs> yeah, Super Tuxcart is one of them, like uh, one of the the big ones. 
Um, and I didn't want to focus only on uh, Windows games for that reason. I wanted like to to be like open to um, native games, to Windows games, and one why not add in a bunch also all the emulators so mm -hmm. that we would have like pretty much any game playable. Um, that was basically spending a lot of time like tinkering on Linux, um, getting emulators to work, like configuring them and trying to find the best settings. And I was like, okay, well, this involves like reading a lot of tutorials. This involves a lot of tinkering. Uh, some emulators, you can install them with your package manager. Some you cannot, you have to download them, you have to compile them. So why not make like some kind of unified platform where you can play base pretty much anything. So that's what like the, the basis of Lutris was always to be able to play any everything uh, from Windows games, from Amiga games, DOS games, uh, and Linux games, of course. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it started like with like that one game, Oblivion. But mm -hmm. the goal of the 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 project was always like a multitude of games. So it's sort of to be like a unified platform where everything can be done from this one place, which is especially a big deal now with all of these different launches that exist. Like, you know, you have your Steam launcher, Epic Games launcher, GOG's got a launcher. Like, everybody's got a launcher. But with mm -hmm. this, you can just be like, okay, I want to play this game. You go to the game. It'll do, like, the... It'll open up the launcher and whatever stuff it needs to do. But you have this single access point to get all of that content you want to get to. Yeah. Which is... Um, uh... Yeah, kind of like this unique stuff. I mean, um, you have stuff like that's similar with a Heroic Launcher as well, but mm -hmm. uh, to a lesser extent because there's not a, uh, there are not as many integrations. Mm -hmm. uh, you have something similar in GOG for Windows. I mean, like Go Galaxy has not never been released to uh, on Linux, but there are some integrations which are the basis for for the Lutris integrations. Mm -hmm. We do use those. I mean, they're written in Python as well. So they are a good inspiration for like um, writing the the Lutris ones, um, but yeah, that's that's um, really neat feature to have like all the launchers like grouped together. But also, it's like no, it doesn't matter if it's Windows or Linux or anything. It can be like a PlayStation Three game. It can be like a Nintendo Switch. It can be like Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. It doesn't it doesn't matter anymore. So yeah. Mm -hmm. That's also like um, like abstracting the plat the game platform and only caring about what game you want to play. Mm -hmm. That was like one of the goals. So I don't know if you've read the Wikipedia page for Lutris. I don't know if you ever feel like doing that. Um, but on the page it says Lutris began as a piece of software called Oblivion Launcher. Citation needed. Is that true? Can you give them a citation? Um, yeah, that was what I was talking about. Like uh, previously, it was so you may be able to find it um, in the Ubuntu French forums back mm -hmm. then. Uh, I made a post. Uh, I probably can find the source code for that Oblivion launcher if I look into my hard drives. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's that's perfectly true. That's like what was like the the basis of like the, the first Python code. Mm -hmm. Um, that, I mean, none of that code made it through like the actual Lutris. Right. Um, the actual basis for, uh, the Lutris project was a framework called Quickly, mm -hmm. 
that was um, created by a French Ubuntu developer called Didier Roche. Uh, and that was basically a way to uh, scaffold your application so that you had like the, the the whole like UI already built. You had like a window uh, already made for you. You had like the, the the Launchpad integration. So people don't really use Launchpad now, but it was like the equivalent to GitHub. So in one command, you could just build your application into a package and push it to Launchpad. So it would be like you could make a dev file out of your software with one line. Mm -hmm. So that was like really convenient to to get started on Nutris. I just had like to build the code inside the implication, but all the scaffold was already done. So that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure, like, especially back in those early days, now not so much. Um, you were probably asked a lot, like, why didn't you just go and work on Play on Linux? Or why are you making your own thing when Play on Linux is around? Or anything like that. Like, mm -hmm. so... Yeah. Why? Um, why not get it? Why did you get involved with it back then? I could. I considered like contributing to Pay on Linux mm. for uh, like for a moment. Uh, I did, and the reasons why I um, didn't follow through that is that first, Play, uh, play on Linux is geared toward uh, Windows games only. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least it was the case back then. Now I, I know that they have also have support for. Uh, DOS games and Scum VM games, uh, but I, it was really important for me uh, at the time that we also supported like native games and also emulators and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, the second aspect was that we were uh, like Play on Linux was using uh, the WX widgets toolkits, mm -hmm. which I didn't really know about. Uh, didn't really want to get into it <clears throat> and also it's really worked by doing like a combination of python and bash where mm. like every on linux window would be its own python program and you would have like bash scripts linking those together okay. and i was like that's a kind of weird way to do things uh -huh. and i'm not sure if i'm not installed on this like Kind of architecture so i'd rather do something like uh on my own that's like not linked to uh and and you know it's open source so if anything um if there's anything in play on linux that i need mm -hmm. i'll just go and read the the, the source code for play on linux and i'll kind of do my own thing based on it uh which as very rarely happen to be honest i mean i've never i i don't think at that uh, I've ever read like the source code for Play on Linux to write some uh, Lutris features. I've done that like for with Heroic. Mm -hmm. uh, that has happened like for like uh, getting Proton back. Um, but yeah, I've, I've read like some parts of the the, the Play on Linux source code, but wasn't like. I mean, sometimes it was useful, but never like to to port some features like. Yeah, I would say like the GOG Galaxy integrations were more, much more useful, but that was many, many years later. <laughs> uh, Plan Linux nowadays is a lot less, it, it gets a lot less attention. I know that it still is being worked on uh, just at a much slower rate, but I'm sure you also get a lot of comparisons with the Bottles project as well. I mean, Bottles came later. 
Yeah, no, it's fairly recent. Um, but like yeah. nowadays, I'm sure you you get comparisons with uh, bottles. I'm really glad about that bottles. I mean, we have like uh, we're pretty close. Like I have a pretty close relationship with like the the bottles developers. Mm -hmm. I've noticed also. I was I've read some of the uh, the bottle source code, and I was like, oh wait, wait, I I wrote that. <laughs> that's some code that's from Rutris. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, uh, yeah, it's always cool to have like some open source project that's uh, kind of like reuses some some idea and not like those things like from from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, and and in in a way, uh, bottles is the software that a lot of people have asked me to write. Right. And I didn't want to write. Mm -hmm. So bottles is like wine only. And it's like kind of this, I mean, people have always been asking for a wine prefix manager. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was never clear to me like what that meant, because mm -hmm. I mean, you can or like sort of manage your wine prefixes with uh, Lutris, but it's not not like the the forefront, mm -hmm. it's like not the main uh, goal of um, of Lutris is not to to tinker with your wine prefixes to get the game running as fast as possible and keep it that way and not have to to, to go into the settings at all. Mm -hmm. um, so bottles take this kind of different approach which I'm very glad they did, so that if someone tells me, oh, can you write a wine prefix manager, I just tell them, no, just use bottles. It's here for that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty glad that I can just redirect people uh, to that software instead of having to, to maybe have to write some new stuff that I wouldn't want to. So what were they meaning by wine prefix manager then? Like what, um, what would that actually entail? I'm not sure at all. I mean, maybe a way to create wine prefixes in, in without the concept of a game, mm -hmm. like having a little button with like create prefix in some location, like and then you add your game inside. Uh, I mean, uh, like there's a lot of options in bottles. I mean, a lot of things that um, Lutris can't do. So I'm guessing that's all of this. That's but ma managing a prefix is like pr a pretty broad term. So it's not really. I'm not really sure myself what they mean by by that. Mm -hmm. I've always had like enough functionality in Lutris to do whatever I needed to do in, in with wine prefixes. Mm -hmm. well, one thing you touched on earlier was um, native games. So that obviously had a lot. Like especially a couple of years after that, then you had uh, the original version of SteamOS. And that was a a big shift in what Valve was doing. Because if I remember from the time, that was when Windows was first coming out with the like their Windows Store. And I know that Valve was fairly worried about what was going to happen, whether the platform was going to become similar to what macOS is, where, yes, you can download things from the web, but most people don't. They all download it from this store. So they weren't really sure, like what was going to happen and sort of use Linux to hedge their bets. So when mm. SteamOS came along, what were your initial thoughts about it? Did you think that they were going about it in a... Did you think that native gaming was actually going to become a a widespread thing? Or did you hope maybe they did something different? I mean, now, now I sure did. I sure hope, hope they did something different. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like now, now, yes, but... 
at the time, I was really excited about like SteamOS and like all those uh, Linux native games that we would see. Uh, but that quickly became a bit sour because uh, we noticed that all those Linux ports we were getting uh, often had a lot of issues and they often had like a big performance hit. Mm -hmm. uh, it was not uncommon to have like a... 30% uh, less performance on Linux than on Windows because uh, those games were like doing like, they had translation layer that did basically what DXVK does, mm. but in a much less efficient way. So um, yeah, that was the case like for Feral Interactive Games, uh, like all games, like uh, like Borderlands, I think Borderlands has had a pretty perform big performance hit. Uh, Tomb Raider also was not as good, and, and it became like kind of better. Uh, the one the, the ports released by Virtual Programming, so that was like so, so one that made people upset. Was it was not native enough? It was like too much of an abstraction layer. So the, the people were upset about The Witcher 2, mm -hmm. which on top of that. When it released, The Witcher 2 was a big mess because uh, virtual programming were still experimenting with their, uh, I think it was called Eon. So Eon was their like uh, product used to basically wrap a Windows game into a native Linux executable. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, that was not good enough. It was not, not native enough, um, mostly because it didn't work very well. I mean, I'm sure that if they had pushed Witcher 2, in a playable state from like the launch day, I'm pretty sure like people wouldn't have complained as much as they did about Eon, mm -hmm. uh, because they 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 did really some titles like uh, Dirt Showdown. Dirt Showdown was pretty good. I mean, they, they, it was pretty it had like a really good for performance. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing some benchmarks where uh, the Eon version from Virtual Programming would run better on Linux than the Windows native version did, uh, maybe uh, with some very special circumstance with like Bioshock Infinite or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but yeah, it was still like hacky. It was still, um, I mean, in some way, it was not nearly as good. And now you have all those native ports like today, mm -hmm. they're still around, you can still like download most of them on Steam, but in most cases, we'll just have like less problems just downloading the, the Wine version and learning it with Proton. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you have like on GOG, for example, if you, um, GOG won't sell you like the native ports. Mm -hmm. So you'll have like just one option. You'll have like the, the, the Windows version, which is like not a bad thing to be honest, because the Windows version will work with uh, DXVK, whereas like, the Linux ports like might run or might not run. Mm -hmm. I mean, it depends on how lucky you are with how how the the game has aged, like all those things. In my understanding, the issue with um, <clears throat> the native games is a lot of them basically. How how would I say it? The games are ported in a way that makes them still operate the same way that like a regular package would, where if a package gets abandoned and its dependencies start getting very, very shifted from what is available on your system, 
you're just gonna have the game not work. So mm-hmm. you you sort yeah, of need uh... people to like maintain their games like they'll maintain anything else and that's just not the way that games get made games are generally released and then maybe they get some patches afterwards but you know if a game was released on windows 7 it's still it's probably not still being maintained today it was just released and that's that's just it yeah but on linux the situation is a lot worse because most linux ports are contracting jobs Mm. so it's not someone from the, the the gaming like studio that ports the game it's like a contractor and then when the the contract is done when the game is shipped it's over like the game doesn't get updated anymore uh, unless there's like a very special request uh from the publisher to to keep updating the game i mean that was a hunt with uh, rocket league Mm. they they ported the game on linux uh but and it was one of the best Linux porter that did that. I mean, I think it was um, Timothy Bassett that worked on this ports. Mm-hmm. And he did, he worked on the initial like Quake 3 Arena uh, Linux version. Um, but then like Psyonix, they updated their engine to, I don't know, DirectX 11 or 12. I don't mm-hmm. know. And they were like, oh, we're not re- redoing this work all over again. And plus, there was they were like also migrating to the Epic Store, and yeah. which doesn't have like native Linux support. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. They, they were like, "Oh, we're not going to repay a contractor to redo the work for Linux." Uh, yeah, that's that's why like most Linux ports they don't get updated, in, uh, and in some cases you will have like community-made patches. Uh, which is which are re- like really hard to do, like with um, without access to the source code. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the case of Unreal Tournament, the first one, uh, the guys from uh, old Unreal, they have access to the source code. They just can't publish it. Right, right. Um, but yeah, as you say, like games need to be maintained, and the only way to have like a game that works like for in the foreseeable future is to have access to the source code. Like Quake 3, Quake 3 Arena, it's open source. So to this day, it works well. You have like a Vulcan port. Uh, you have like, yeah, you have like not only one option, but you have like tons of options to run like Quake 3. Mm-hmm. Same thing for like Quake 2, you have like open source ports. Uh, I mean, yeah, like having open source options is the definitive way of having Linux native game. If your game is close close source, then you kind of need to run it into its own sandbox. Yeah. Which Wine is. So Wine will run your game made for Windows 95 or Windows XP. It will be glad to do so. Uh, it's I know that Wine means Wine is not an emulator, but in some way it emulates like an old sys- old Windows system. Mm-hmm. Whereas we don't have a way re- currently to emulate an old like Ubuntu 10, for example, like Ubuntu 606. Uh, we, we no longer have a way, unless we run like a virtual machine. You can do DistroBox, that's an option. Just stick it in the docking container. Uh, Docker only has like, you can only run like distros that are so old like in Docker. So if you want, you can pretty much run Ubuntu 12, I think. Okay, that's but not okay. not run like Debian 3 or Ubuntu 
thick or stuff that's really, really old. Mm -hmm. And even then, you you're relying on your host systems, like drivers, like graphics drivers and kernel to run the game. So right. a lot of the cases you'll have um, problems with uh, the, the kernel or, or the drivers. And also, like when we're talking about really old games, sound is going to be a big issue yeah. because I've, yeah. I've worked on some kind of like Docker uh, layer for running old games and it kind of works except that you still need to have like a translation layer for OSS. Mm -hmm. And just yesterday I was trying to get it working again, like Heretic 2. Heretic 2, which is like a game that has been abandoned by everyone, by its publisher, by its developer, by Loki. I mean, Loki doesn't exist anymore, but um, there is like no really, no, no, not real uh, community patch for it. And I still can get it running mm -hmm. on Linux, but getting the sound in this game is like plain impos impossible. Mm -hmm. Even harder than that. And that's that one I abandoned a long time ago. Because the, the reason I keep getting, going back to Heretic 2 Linux is that the Windows version is also a pain to get working. Mm hmm. Um, the other one that's painful for Linux is like Kingpin, uh, Life of Crime, which is impossible to get the sound working. Like you can get the game working with a lot of work, uh, or at least you could like a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but to get the sound working and kick Kingpin and sort of like really uh, close to the hardware, mm -hmm. like the sound hardware, so. Good luck getting any sound of that version. So just play that. for Kingpin. It's just better to, to play the the Windows version. For Heretic Two, I'm still working on it. I don't play any games that old, so my my game experience is quite pleasant. But I, yeah, when when you get to a certain age, it's just like, what do you, what do you do then? Because it's not old enough. Like, you know, if you go old enough, right, if you go back to, like, the DOS era, we have emulators for that era, and mm -hmm. most of them work pretty well. Obviously, you still get... You don't get perfect sound, because back then, you had, like, a lot of games were built around a specific sound card, so you still have issues there with, like, recreating it, the sound like it, it should be. In um, DOSBox, now, now you have, like, some really good emulation, like, for, uh, like, the Roland MT32, and a lot of those exotic sound cards, and they sound really good. I mean, I've not doing, done the, the a lot of tests for, for this, but I know that they, they've made a lot of progress, especially in DOSBox staging, mm -hmm. which is the one we use in Lutris. Mm -hmm. they, they did work a lot on improving the sound quality in, in DOS games, especially those that use uh, those high-end sound cards like MT32, which are were supposed to be like the, the, the end of the line, like uh, back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I think that now we are able to to have this again. And to be honest, I think that DOS may like DOSBox may be a solution to running those old Linux games because mm -hmm. um, I have some like Windows like Windows 3.1 or Windows 98 games that I run through DOSBox instead of Wine. 
So I need a, like a full copy of Windows installed, mm -hmm. like a full copy of Windows 2.1 or Win Windows 98. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I mean, if if, if you are wor if you're working with a game that's really is too old to work with Wine reliably, mm -hmm. um, then DOSBox is your next best bet, or like a PC emulator, like. Um, is it x86 box? Not to be confused with box 86. Um, so 86 box is like the fork of PCEM. Uh, and also you can emulate PCs with MAME. So MAME will emulate like an old like 486, mm -hmm. which you can then install Linux on. The, the, the problem is still like, how do you get um, acceleration on it, like graphical acceleration? Um, something I talked to like uh, a little like uh, recently uh, while I was uh, at the Ubuntu summit mm -hmm. was there there is this emulator called Technoparrot. Technoparrot Techno is it doesn't run yeah it's like with a K techno with a K and parrot like the the bird yeah um, and it's meant for arcade games it's like the successor of ah, yes, Mame it's like Mame but for like modern arcade games which Modern arcade games are basically PCs, mm. and some of them, some of them are Linux PCs, not Windows PCs. So uh, you have an emulator on Windows that runs Linux games with something that works kind of in a similar fashion than Wine. Mm -hmm. It's like Wine, but for Windows to run Linux programs, mm -hmm. and also it, it emulates like some of the hardware that was shipped with those arcade machines. So this means that you can run those Linux games emulated um, in in another like more modern operating system. But this is something that we don't have on our side. Uh, but this is something I would like to see, like an emulator of. Linux from 2005, for example, mm. and it emulates like everything from the hardware, like the graphics card. It gives you like I don't know, like a TNT2 or uh, and a Creative Sound like sound card with the OSS API mm -hmm. and the Mesa from back in the day and the kernel from back in the day. So any, anything that we will throw at it, it will be able to run it. But that's like really more like for the. It's really focus on the preservation aspect because as i said like most of those games you can run like the windows version of it you'll have like much better support for it mm -hmm. you'll have more mods for it you'll have like more community patches um so in general like just sticking to the windows versions i mean it's sad to say but yeah uh like um harak healer was also at the ubuntu summit recently wrote this blog post saying that Win32 is the most stable API for Linux. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that plenty of times before. Yeah, and, and this is true. I mean, this is true because now you want a binary. Uh, if it's like all in the old binary, you have like a lot more chances to run that old binary if it was made from Windows mm -hmm. rather than it was made for Linux. Like, I don't know if you ever try to get uh, Netscape Navigator for Linux running on a modern distro. <laughs> I haven't thought of doing that, but I uh, You have like software like Adobe Acrobat Reader for Linux. Right, right. A real, real player for Linux. 
and all of those you can't run them. I mean, you can run them in in wine if you want, uh, if you uh, if you tinker enough. But like running them on Linux is kind of like a lost cause with midpoint, unless you work like in a VM. Um, yeah, I mean, not that we would need those those software, but yeah, for as a for a from a compatibility perspective, it's they're like more there's more stability in wine than there is like just running natively. And mm. I think this is something that can be fixed eventually if we cared enough, because like the, the, the reason why it's like this, in this, this case is like most of our software is open source. Mm. So we just move on. I mean, we just le yeah. leave like the old like closed source software just rot. Yeah. It doesn't get maintained. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you don't want to run something like Netscape Navigator, but you are. I, I think you are right about wanting to preserve these old games. So you, you talk a lot there about like game preservation. Are you the sort of person who cares about like physical hardware preservation, or do you want it just prefer, uh, preserved in some form? Um, so I, I value like the hardware preservation. I, I think that's people who, who do like collects old games, maintain old game collections, and maintain like the old hardware uh, working is really like a, a honorable goal. Um, I think it's needed, but also I think that that, that is really not the goal of Lutris. So the goal of Lutris sure, is yeah. keeping games playable like in the simplest way possible on your current hardware without needing ordering uh, systems on eBay without needing like original medium because at some points whether we talk about game consoles or old computers or like cartridges like floppy disks all that stuff it will break at some point i mean at some point it will deteriorate mm -hmm. so whether it's like in 20 years in like 50 years in 100 years mm -hmm. those things are not eternal mm -hmm. so we need to have something to to keep them alive, like uh, without depending on the hardware, without mm -hmm. depending on the original media. So, yes, it's nice nice to have like that kept alive, but as long as it works, I mean, um, Rust will do its job eventually, and at some point you'll no longer have like a single Super Nintendo working in the world. At some point, there will be like no longer. No, no Super Nintendo ever working again. Okay, unless there's like some other models, but then the cartridges will disappear. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing like material is eternal. Where mm -hmm. while like digital digital data can be replicated and can be and also improved upon. So you can improve the games. Uh, so you can play your PlayStation games upscaled. You can upscale them like. Uh, four times or six times the, the original size, so they look a lot better on like on the, your iOS monitor. You can apply like shaders. You can use uh, safe states to beat those old school games that were like way too hard to beat back then. And then you can use like just safe states to uh, finally beat them mm -hmm. and appreciate like the whole the whole thing. Um, so yeah, in that in that regard, Lutris is really more focused to just being able to play the game, not not uh, having to deal with like a physical collection. Mm -hmm. And if someone's gonna say, "Oh, but you know that there are 
FPGAs are designed to recreate the hardware. You're specifically talking about, like, the original hardware. Obviously, there are people doing, like, recreations, especially for that, like... I know there's some... There's definitely NES stuff out there. I don't know if there's SNES stuff. Um, but there are people that have, like, actually gone, like, literally just remade the entire system. And you can have, like, a modern version that has HDMI output, all of this stuff. But... Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of those, like, mini consoles, like, uh, like SNES Classic. A lot or... of those are just emulators. <laughs> yeah, those are just mostly emulators. But you have, um, what is it, the Mister, I think? Uh, the Mister is like a FPGA platform that's capable of running mm, a lot yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah. Um, and that's good. That's good as well. Uh, especially if it gives you a way to to play your, car your original cartridges mm -hmm. um, that you couldn't play without like an original console. Uh, but then, I mean, some some people say that they will be like way better than emulators. I mean, I don't, I haven't experienced really like the those FPGA systems. But as far as I can tell, like emulators are really pretty good already so i don't i don't see like what could be improved on, uh, from those uh, emulators if there are some things that make it better i mean sure i mean i'm i'm all for it but uh, uh, i'm more in, in the position where emulators are really good enough for like most things and like 99.9% of people can't make the difference between an emulator and a fpga yeah, I, so, I like yeah, taking some of those. Good enough. I like taking uh, taking some of those like early 3D games and then just upscaling like the 4K. They look really nice. Like yeah. the models are obviously you know it, it's like low poly models, but everything like it looks way better than it would ever have looked on like a original console. And I know some people like that original. You know, I, I appreciate the people who like that original experience, right? Mm -hmm. But I. I, I like yeah I like save states. Save states for me are like one of the biggest things. Like there are so many old games, especially that are really bad with how they offer you saves, or they have mm -hmm. continue systems where if you you know you die five times, you restart the entire game. Things like that. I'm just like I I get wanting to have like the classic experience with it, but for me, it's not my thing. I I appreciate it, but it's just not my thing. It's not my thing either, and you know, back then you had to enter cheat codes that you had into like uh, magazines or like, yeah, or uh, have something like a game genie if you wanted to mm -hmm. like circumvent some some stuff. Um, but yeah, they that's that makes the games like a lot more accessible. Or if you had games that are like poor controls, like the control scheme was was like kind of messed up, you can make the game like playable just by remapping everything mm -hmm. and giving like better controls or games that were only playable like on keyboard and mouse now you can make them playable on a on a joypad or or the other way around if you want i mean yeah I mean, everything is possible so you can you can really improve uh what i like is when i see like games that are like totally like reverse engineered like diablo for example diablo has like so many source ports so you have like so many ways to run diablo now that are yeah, sure you could run like the original diablo but then you can also run like one of the many like devolution x or any other like source ports mm -hmm. that make 
that improved on the game. And it's like what you said earlier is that games they need to be like maintained over time. And if it's not if it's not like the original publisher that does it, then the community eventually will take care yeah. of it. In cases where a game is popular, like that's that's yeah, a big for problem. Games. And this is what you were saying before about um like these live service games that have these reverse engineered servers. So there are games like uh, I, I mean, I does not like that it exists, but there is a reverse engineered server for Genshin Impact that exists. Um, there is a reverse engineered server for Final Fantasy XIV, but like these are giant games. If you're a live mm. service game that has, you know, 10,000 players, 5,000 players, the chances that someone is actually going to go through that process and actually reverse engineer a server is so much less likely that... Mm-hmm. When these games are gone, they are just gone. And I I get people not caring about it because right now, you know, they care about what's happening. They, they care about the current content. And most people aren't programmers and can't sit down and actually go and do something like this, especially a reverse engineered server. Like, that's a massive project. But I don't know. It, it would, like, you know, I I can go back and play... You know, I can go back and play like the first Pokemon game, for example, and it's it's in the exact same state it was was always in. Like there's, you know, it's it's not attached to some server somewhere. It's not, it hasn't got like a bunch of patches that has like changed the experience. It just is the game that it always was, and that is nice. But I un I I understand like from a business perspective why these live service games exist. Like they are a great way to make money. That's that's why they're sure. done, but I don't know. But I, I... making that, yeah, making that the only thing that makes keeps the game alive and say, okay, well, we're going to to keep this live service running, mm-hmm. and the day we're stopping this live service, the 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 game is gone. Yeah. So some publishers are nicer about this than others. Um, I know the Dragon have... Quest MMO is getting a single player version soon, which is really cool. I've noticed like I had a game like on EA app mm-hmm. that I wanted to try and that had a, a anti cheat, and I then I noticed that it was taken down. Mm-hmm. It's called like Knockout City. I think I know and, that one. And that one, uh, they they made the game free and they made the server free. Wow. So I thought that that was like a pretty nice move. That's mm. okay, you're shutting down the service, but you're giving away the the server the, the the server so you can host your So I didn't get the um, the server to run in Wine because mm. it involved like installing Postgres oh. uh, database oh, okay. and Redis and I was like maybe I maybe I don't want to install like Postgres in Wine, maybe I can just use like a native one. <laughs> Uh, and I was at some point I didn't care enough to to keep going at it. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, this this is pretty cool that they are giving this um, this stuff away and and yeah, being nice about it. Uh, in the case, in some other cases, like you have games that were using uh, GameSpy, mm. which I, which is no longer a thing, but uh, now you can use uh, OpenSpy. Which will uh, let you play Unreal Tournament 2004 or all those games, like all the games that's used uh, GameSpy in the day, mm-hmm. and now can't run online. Um, 
you have also like efforts like Pretendo that will re-implement services for the Wii U and the 3DS. Oh, I was so. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to try it and see if I can get like Splatoon multiplayer working with Pretendo. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I was already like pretty excited that I had like Splatoon on the Steam Deck working with the gyro. So that means I could control like the the, the camera mm -hmm. like by tilting the Steam Deck, and that was working like perfectly. I was like, that's really cool. According to their numbers, it is. 62% working on Splatoon, so maybe it's a little bit too soon to do that one, but it's coming along, so at some point you'll be able to do it. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll have to see uh, how it works. I mean, the thing is, uh, when I tried it, it wasn't like the um, um, CMU, so CMU is like the emulator I use. Uh, it wasn't the CMU from Lutris, it was a CMU for, from Emudeck. Mm-hmm. Because the Amudeck had this like little script to install like the the gyro uh, mapper, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to try that. Uh, but also, it wasn't the latest version of CMU that supports Pretendo, mm -hmm. so I'll have to to look into it. But yeah, uh, I just think that's kind of neat that it's possible now to have access to those uh, to those online games. Yeah, I. I, I... It would wouldn't it be cool if you know they abandon the game and they're just like hey I have the software like that that'd just be cool, like yeah yeah um, sometimes uh, people just don't wait for the authorization mm -hmm. um, they uh, they they will just like reverse engineer the the service which is mm -hmm. like I don't know how in, I mean sometimes some services must be easier than others mm -hmm. to reverse engineer. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, it's always uh, harder like to keep something like this running than just like the game itself. Like we think about the like... game, you you have it, but mm -hmm. the service. I mean, you don't even have the code. You don't have the binaries. You don't have anything. Like you think about like the early id games, for example, where they're like, "Here, just have the source code." Like the yeah. game's abandoned. Whatever, we don't care. Go do whatever you want. <laughs> um, I mean, they haven't done that in a while. Yeah, it's it's uh, their old old stuff, but even so, like the fact they did it for anything is is kind of crazy. Like that's yeah, I can't think of any other big studios, at least, that ever did that. Um, some games were open source, but yeah, not not uh, nothing as big as the um, it software mm. games. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe. Uh, since like the the Bethesda Zenimax acquisition, they stopped doing that. Because mm. if we look at the time frame between when Quake Three was released mm -hmm. and when when it was open sourced, then by that standard, we should get like open source Doom, like the 2016 one, maybe. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, like maybe maybe not like Doom, but at least like Wolfenstein, like the new newer Wolfenstein game should be like would be open source. Um, but yeah, or Rage maybe. Do you remember maybe. Rage? Maybe, I maybe I do Rage. remember. I don't think I ever played Rage. Yeah, that was kind of neat. Um, but yeah, I, we haven't seen like recent release open source, and I hope that's. At some point, we will. Mm. I mean, it would. 
I mean, sure, like back then the games were like smaller in size, they were less, less complex, they were less middleware because now you have to take care of, okay, I can release the source code, but I can't release this copyrighted middleware yeah. stuff that's like in, that has like, that was like a challenge of like open source game like in the past. It was, you first have to remove a bunch of stuff that you can't ship open source. Mm -hmm because you don't have to write to them and then you can make the game open source. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that might be like a bigger problem like for modern games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've looked at some of the uh most games will include like a list of um like libraries and stuff they've included in them. Uh especially like especially the, the big games where, you know, they're probably going to get audited and asked about like what's in the game and you can usually mm. see a good list of like what they have and whilst there's a lot of open source libraries for sure there's also a lot of stuff where they've paid a lot of money for it and those companies uh definitely don't want that publicly released because you know even mm. if, if it just gets publicly released even if if it is proprietary people are going to try to reverse engineer it all that stuff and they just don't want to deal with that yeah yeah exactly um what I'm hopeful is that maybe we'll see like more uh, decompilations. Mm. That's something we we see more and more like recent in the recent years. Uh, we're saying like especially for N64 games or like PlayStation games. I know there was a uh, what project. What I'm hopeful. That go on. Yeah, for for PC games, like especially, why not having decompilations for Linux games so that we can just swap out like the old audio APIs or the mm. old like graphics APIs for like more modern ones or some perhaps just something that's can be built like on more modern systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I my my favorite of one of these uh, decompilations is a game that I grew up playing a lot of uh the Jack and Axter series. Um mm -hmm. the Open Goal project is really cool. Like they've actually gotten I believe they've gotten the first game fully working on PC now, which is super cool. Like, really, really cool. <laughs> I don't yeah, understand it's always... how it's done. I, I don't get it at all. Like, these people know exactly... They, they are a lot smarter than I am, and I am very happy they're out there. Oh, yeah. And and I have no idea what's going on there, like, or how they, they do that, or how you would get started in such a project. But yeah, I'm really glad that some people have the skills to, to work on that mm -hmm. sort of things. Yeah, it's so, really cool. Um, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. like there was a really old decompilation of StarCraft where you could play StarCraft on Raspberry Pi. Okay. Um, and that was like, I think at least 10 years ago. Um, uh, yep. Yeah, that that, that is a, almost ten years ago, two thousand fourteen, going on ten years this year. Nice. Open Pandora is what it was called. Oh, Open Pandora is like the. Um, or is this a different one? The the hardware like that was like before the Steam Deck. That was like this little Linux handled. So yeah, it was running on Open Pandora, uh, but yeah, I remember about that uh, that Pandora console. I can kind of really. Badly wanted one before, like there were like Steam decks. I don't even know what this one was. I must have missed this. It was like kind of like a Nintendo DS, but it ran Linux. Hmm. Oh. Oh. Okay. 
and it was really expensive for what it was. So that was that's why it didn't get a lot of traction. But it was really neat. I mean, um, having like a fully like portable Linux desktop in your hands that was really cool. This is really cool looking. Okay, yeah, I can see why you wanted one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that that's so cool. Yeah, okay. I, <laughs> I definitely would have wanted one back then if I knew what it was. Yeah, and I think that like the the modern version of it is called the Pyra. Ah, uh, the uh, Dragon which... Box Pyra. Yes. Yes. So Oh, it looks exactly the same. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, yeah. Mm. And you have your little uh I don't know, XFCE or GNOME desktop on it. And... Uh, I'm going to yeah, say that's XFCE. I've seen... Yeah, you, you have like a, some x86 emulation on it. I've seen people like run Windows games on, on it. Oh. With like a, a virtualizing like the, the, the x86 CPU. Yeah. Mm. That's so cool. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, so this is from 2016, and then, wait, the first production model had been, ah, so they shipped the first production model in 2020. Okay. Jeez, they took a long, a long time to get oh, that, it, that shipped. It was a thing for, <laughs> I mean, I waited for that, like, for a really long time, and it was always, like, a little bit too too pricey for what it was. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really like a, an enthusiast product. So um, if you're like, if you have like a lot of money to spend into those kind of things, I mean, it's, it's fine. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it was never like the, the, the really good deal you could have like with the Steam Deck where the mm -hmm. Steam Deck is like a powerhouse, but it's still pretty cheap. Yeah. So here you have something that's not nearly as powerful, but it's also a lot more expensive than a Steam Deck. So it's like, yeah, maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense unless you you really want one and have like that kind of money to spare. The Steam Deck has the advantage of like the console market though, where they can sell it at a reduced price and then make up the difference on game sales. Yeah, and I'm not even sure they're losing money on on the the Steam Deck sales. I mean, uh, if they have some a good deal with AMD on their like chipsets, um, I can't imagine they could, they're making that much money on it. Though. Like it's they they might not be. I mean, especially like not on the the cheaper models. But when you bring up the the price bits like up like for the one terabyte model, for example, mm. uh, then yeah, I can imagine that they're making some money at least. Mm, maybe. Well, it, it, either way, it's like a it's a crazy powerful system for what it is. Like I've got one sitting back on the shelf there. Um, I'm genuinely impressed with how, like, with what that thing can run. Like, I I'll boot yeah. up a a modern game, like a relatively modern game that I'm like, it 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 just runs fairly well. Maybe I need to turn down the settings a little bit, but the mm. fact that you can play like Elden Ring, for example, on a handheld console, and it doesn't instantly turn off by running out its battery. Like that's wild. That is absolutely it, crazy. It, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, this is something that I've I've dreamed of like for the longest time, and it was like, 
Yeah, it's fine here. I wanted this kind of like form factor, like PT, but like in the console form factor. And this is this this was something I was like dreaming of. And I was like, yeah, they made this. Uh, I found and I found a grand total of one game that I couldn't play on the on the Steam Deck, mm-hmm. and that is like the new Avatar game. Uh, that oh, is that, uh, that come out? I forgot about that one. Uh, it's a game that I got for free with my new processor. Ah. So they, uh, they were giving giving this, that game away with uh, Ryzen seven uh, CPUs. Mm-hmm. And I had some trouble in initially getting it to run on on my computer, and I was like, okay, I'm going to try it on the Steam Deck. And while it did launch, I could only run like the um, the benchmark for like two or three seconds. And then the the game would crash because there's simply not enough RAM. It's a RAM oh. issue. Oh. As you have, if if the Steam Deck had like 32 gigs of RAM, mm. it would handle this game. But right now, uh, since you have to share like 16 gigs with both the game, like the RAM and the VRAM, mm-hmm. then at some point it will make uh, some games like not playable. Right. And that's the only one. I mean, I, you have people saying like, "Oh, Starfield is not playable on the Steam Deck." Well, I've put like a lot of hours uh, in Starfield on the Steam Deck. I can tell you that. Um, yeah, all, like all those games that are like The Last of Us. Also, like some people said that it wasn't really optimized for the Steam Deck, but it received it, the game received like a lot of patches, and now it runs a lot better. Mm-hmm. So yeah, even like the the high end stuff, and even then, I mean. Like, this Steam Deck is not really like it's not the best case. Like you, you're you have like a, a lot of other games like platformers or indie games that are much more enjoyable on mm. the Steam Deck. But even like the the more like AAA ones are like really nice and mm. enjoyable. Yeah, don't don't expect to play like you know the latest uh, you know Unreal Engine five game at max settings. Like that's just not going to happen. Mm. But yeah. If you want to turn the settings um, down a bit, or your, like, I play a lot of, um, I, I played a lot of Vampire Survivors on the Steam Deck. Uh, that's that's a game that's horribly optimized on, no matter what it plays on. Um, games like that play fine, no issue at all. Um, yeah, I've been playing the uh, the Yakuza series on the Steam Deck as well, and I, I'm just impressed that it like, yeah, I. I've always wanted a handheld system that can play my PC games. And yeah, they've existed in the past, but this is the first one where it's, like, legitimately powerful enough to be a good experience. Yeah, it ran Linux, and it's, like, not overpriced, because mm-hmm. you had all those, like, Ayaneos and all that stuff that were, like... Very expensive, that, yeah. that They were here before the Steam Deck, but they were, like, very expensive and also you have to take into account that they were shipping with uh intel gpus like the uh and that was like before the good intel gpus existed (laughs) so you had basically uh laptop performance on your on your handle uh at a premium price and with windows and i don't know if you could install linux on those devices I'm not sure, but you would maybe hit some driver issues. Um, yeah, now now you have like the Lenovo Legion that runs Linux pretty well. 
uh, even if it's like not, um, it's not a AMD RDNA 2 as a GPU, I mean, it will still run Linux. Why um, did you mention yeah. Neo? Because they actually have their own Linux distro now. This is a fairly new campaign. Um, I don't know what they were doing at the time, but yeah, now they actually do have their own Linux thing. Yeah, they they do have Linux now, but they they didn't like before the Steam Deck was a thing. Yeah, it's only like this they only year they started ship, doing they, it. They, they shipped Windows. And Linux, uh, Windows on a handheld device is window Windows not made for a small form factor device. We'll say that it it can work, but. I mean, as long as you run like the Steam, <laughs> the Steam Deck UI, sure, I mean, yeah, I that's... guess you're good. Just don't look I at mean, the it desktop. would be, it would be the same thing. I mean, you could say the same thing for KDE. I mean, KDE, KDE is like not really made for yeah, that's uh, very small true, form for factor as well. I mean, KDE is pretty similar uh, to Windows in the, its presentation. Um, but hey, I, I went to uh, to Europe uh, a few weeks ago. Mm. And I didn't have a laptop. I had a Steam Deck. That was it. Um, I mean, I had like a tablet, but that I barely never used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like m most of the things I wanted to do, I did on a Steam Deck, and it was like fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you could you could use one as a laptop replacement. Mm -hmm. So when the Steam Deck came around, obviously that would have gotten a lot of attention onto Lutris as well. So, what was that sort of like? How, how much extra attention did Lucha started getting? How many people did you get just not understanding what the project was altogether? Think just what was the general experience like when that that came around for you? Um, a little bit stressful to be honest, because uh, at the beginning I was like, oh, the Steam Deck is being released. And I don't have a Steam Deck. I don't have a way to test on the Steam Deck. Mm -hmm. And that was when I had to. I reached out to Valve, and they they did send send me like a, a dev kits. Oh wow! So yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Now I can progress on Lutris on the Steam Deck. I think the the, the first version of Lutris that was shipped on the Steam Deck was kind of rough, mm -hmm. uh, and kind of like pushed a lot of people away. And that's why I mean. All things considered, there's there are a lot of people using Lutris on the Steam Deck, mm -hmm. but what you will see in the media is not a lot of the time is not centered uh, toward Lutris. You'll have a lot of things that use uh, Emudeck, you have a lot of things using Eric, mm -hmm. um, or a lot of things using just plain Steam without using like any kind of other like software. Mm -hmm. So like the Steam Deck gave more exposure also to the, all those other projects. Um, and it's clear that the, the Lutris is still used quite a bit, quite a bit on the Steam Deck, but um, I'm not sure it's increased. Um, its usage overall, like by a whole lot. I mean, I don't think it was like uh, that much, like if uh, that's noticeable because right. people they wanted if they wanted just Epic Games, they would install Heroic. Um, if they wanted, um, I don't know. I, I know that a lot of people who wanted like EA app would just install EA app on 
because yeah it's it's about like if you only care about just one or two games mm -hmm. then lutris starts to make less sense right lutris is really uh optimized to let you manage your game collection and that is like a, quite a bit of a large collection mm -hmm. um i mean yeah you still have the the convenience of being able to install games like really easily like in a few clicks mm -hmm. you have a, like an install script and and all of that but <laughs> it's not that hard yeah to install e-app just on steam or install mm -hmm. like doing the same thing on on uh, Heroic, Heroic will save you the the trouble of installing an extra launcher. So you only need Heroic. You don't mm -hmm. need the Epic Epic Game Store. Right. You only need that. So yeah, um, Lutris was always uh, focused on making the original launchers work. I mean, mm -hmm. not for GOG because I mean we can like bypass GOG Galaxy, but uh, in the case of um, Epic. I mean, especially since we received a donation from Epic for bringing the Epic Game Store to Linux. Wait, what? I I didn't hear about this. I was uh, about like we received like the Epic Mega Grants. Oh. Uh, in 2019, and that was I mean we had like some discussions with um, with the team of uh, the uh, Unreal Engine team. And it was very clear that I received that that grant because uh, Lutris was able to to run like the Epic Game Store. Mm -hmm. If it was a reimplementation of the Epic Game Store, that would maybe be different. Mm -hmm. uh, but what they wanted was the actual Epic Game Store running on Linux, and mm -hmm. that was why they gave the grant. So um, I wasn't going to say, "Okay, I'll take your money, but then I'm going to replace your." your store with another like open source launcher right that wouldn't make like a lot of sense and especially i was also glad that since a lot of people would ask for that a lot of people would ask for an open source representation i was glad that eric came along and and did that just as like the same thing as bottles did the same thing with the wine manager that it didn't want to implement mm -hmm. I yeah, yeah I, I must good, have completely yeah. missed that story when that happened. Then, uh, uh, yeah, it was like in 2019, mm. uh, like in the mid 2019, I think, uh, and like Linux was starting to get pretty big, but it wasn't like as big as now because. Do you remember what year the Steam Deck wasn't? Was... Uh, 2018. Right. Okay. So it was like just after like Linux game was starting to become like a an actual platform that. You could obviously wine was there for a long time before, but yeah, having but Proton they made it a lot easier. So, so that's yeah, having Proton and before Proton having DXVK. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was oh, a, DXVK there was, was massive, uh, yeah, yeah. Be, there, there was like a, a little, like a few months with where DXVK was a thing and Proton was not yet a thing, mm. and that was my initial surprise. I mean, it was like more of a surprise than TeamOS or the Steam Deck. That was like the biggest surprise that was Proton because that was basically doing what Lutris did for like uh, the past several years. But in Steam, which is not an, like a small open source project like Lutris was, which is like massive game launcher used by millions. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
at that point I was like so much like working on like making things more stable. And I was like, how is it possible that a big company is using that solution? Because it's at my eyes, it was not stable enough. Mm -hmm. We're not ready yet. But what I didn't know was that Val was was going to put an enormous amount of resources into those all those projects. They would push like the wine development. They would push the DXVK development. They would push like Mesa development even. So even the, the drivers at the driver level, they they would bring improvement in gaming. And that I wasn't aware of that because if they were just going to take wine at the state at that point in time and DXVK at that point in time, I was like, that's crazy because it's good. I mean, I enjoy it's it's enjoyable that they are like taking that into consideration. Mm -hmm. But it's like also kind of a crazy idea because it's very like uh, almost a tinker toy at this point. Mm -hmm. And and. For a big company like Valve doing the same thing as we were doing, it was seemed like out of this world. So, uh, and it did in the end, it would turn out really great because um, this meant that we got all the improvements from Valve into Lutris as well. So every like GOG game, every Epic game, every Ubisoft game would benefit from those improvements uh, done by Valve. Yeah, it's great that they didn't try to do something themselves. Like, that, you know, you, that's what you'd expect most companies to do. They'll, like, come into a space and be like, okay, you guys are doing your thing over there, but, yeah, we're not going to do that. Like, we, maybe yeah. we'll, we'll take that project and then make, like, a proprietary fork of it. No. No, they didn't. They just were like, okay, we're going to be good members of the open source space. We're going to contribute back upstream. We're going to do our thing. And make everything just generally better and that's that's really mm. surprising that it happened but i'm i'm happy that it has and i'm happy that it's just it wasn't just like a short-term project like they are very committed to doing this and you know with the steam deck coming out it seems like they're committed for like the long term here this isn't just you know a one-time project that they're gonna mm -hmm. ditch after it's done or even going back to like the the original steam os like Proton is sort of a continuation of that project. Obviously, it's a whole different thing, but it's still that like same idea of trying to make Linux a legitimate gaming platform. Yeah, it's just now they have a much better approach to it, and it seems like I, I I hope that you know nothing happens with Valve management where they decide they want to ditch this project because what they've done is turned an OS that you could game on if you had a lot of technical knowledge and you knew how to configure Wine and do all of this. To a platform that you can just, for many games, just click play and you don't have to think about anything. Maybe you need to run a different Proton version. Maybe you need like a like a, a single option to include, but a lot of games mm -hmm. don't even need that. You just run it and it just works. And that's that's not something that could have been said, you know, five, six plus years ago. Mm, yeah. Yeah, there's like been so much progress done. Like, uh, uh, yeah, it's very uh, like yeah, it's been wild. And if you compare, like, if, if you go back even before that, where Wine was like very heavily into development, uh, where we didn't have any solution for DX11, 
Um, so basically, any DX11 game, you could forget about it. Uh, I mean, the the progress made is like spectacular. Um, yeah, and you were talking about like proprietary like alternative. Like, I don't know if you remember, but before I was working on Lutris, mm-hmm. I was using something called Cidiga. And Cidiga was this property fork of Wine. Uh, that was the continuation of Wine X. So Wine X was the initial uh, fork of Wine, mm-hmm. which uh, I think triggered a license change on Wine's end, so that uh, like no one else could do like the same thing again. Mm-hmm. They didn't want like people to to do their closed fork of Wine. Uh, <clears throat> But yeah, Wine X was basically wine that was optimized for games. And then you had Ziga, with what was basically um, a graphical interface on top of uh, on top of Wine X. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it made playing Left 4 Dead and Portal really really easy. Mm-hmm. But that was basically it. I mean, it, that was yeah, 2008, 2009. Uh, uh, 2009 is the last day release it has on the Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that, that was like the I remember because I was uh, playing Left 4 Dead, which was um, a 2009 game, mm-hmm. so it was must have been like around that, that time. Uh, and that was basically around that time that Lutris started. And I remember at the very first, like the start of Lutris. We had Sidiga as a as a runner, oh, so okay. it would like kind of replace like Proton back then. <laughs> it was okay instead of wine, you can use Sidiga if you bought it <laughs> because that was like a paid product. Well, the other problem, but with yeah, it, since then, yeah. The other problem with so it being much. proprietary is if you know they abandoned it in what twenty wait. 2011 it looks like, and then they the company yeah. shut down in 2016, so that's just gone, you know. Yeah. If Valve ever decides that they want to move away from Proton, obviously they are like the massive drivers behind it, and they're the reason why it's become so good. But if they abandon it, that doesn't mean it's just gone. Like Proton they, is still here. Get... Proton is still here. I mean, you have like Glorious Agrol who maintains Wine G, mm-hmm. and Wine G. Is basically Proton G, mm-hmm. which is basically Proton. So uh, Wine G, the difference between because a lot of people ask to run Proton in in Lutris, like the Proton proper, mm-hmm. and I tell them like no, that's not necessary because Wine GE is Proton, except that there's like some Steam specific bits that have been removed and replaced by their Wine like original Wine behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like no difference between um, Proton like and Wine GE. So if for whatever reason uh, Proton stopped being developed by Valve, it would still be here. I mean, it would still like Code Weavers would still exist, and Wine GE would still exist, and DXVK would still exist, and VKD 3D would still exist, and all of those would. In their own rights, well, you could still put them together, mm-hmm. and just like we did that before, Proton as a thing was a thing. We, when it was not called Proton yet, we were just ha- having like Wine plus JVK. 
where, well, we can do the same thing after, I mean, if Proton stops thing, we could do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just that Valve puts so much effort and they are doing it, still doing it to this day where they are putting efforts in making HDR work. Yeah, and, that's a big one. I I didn't think that was happening yeah. anytime soon. I mean now, now I mean I don't know how much uh, how much work Valve has put into um, plasmas side of things, but apparently in next month we're getting HDR on the desktop on plasma. I know, I I know what you're talking. I think it's I, plasma six is yeah, supposed to ship with to I ship with HDR. I don't uh, think it's full support. desktop support. Um. That's my. Or at least in games. At least in yeah, games. Yeah, it's definitely in games. Yeah. Which is. Like, I remember reading about. I know, like, five or so years ago, Red Hat was talking about doing some HDR stuff, and then other. Mm -hmm. Like, there's been a lot of meetings and a lot of discussions about HDR. And obviously, that work has been important. And last year, um, there was the. Red Hat HDR Hack Fest or whatever it was called. I don't remember the exact name. Yeah. And that was obviously a big thing as well. And then you can just play HDR games in Gamescope now. Like, it... yeah, yeah, and it works. I mean, I've um, it works on on desktop. Like, uh, it's not only limited to the Steam Deck OLED. Uh, of course, that worked ish because I've had some experiences where it didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've also run HDR games uh, here on my desktop computer by mm -hmm. just installing the game swap session in uh, Nobara. And I've played uh, Doom Eternal, uh, Cyberpunk, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, and I'm not sure if I get the right render. Like, uh, Doom Eternal looks pretty much awesome on HDR. Mm -hmm. Um, Cyberpunk and Horizon Zero Dawn um, have this kind of like toned down colors. Yeah, I noticed that with Armored Core Six as well. And and very bright. When it you have like fire or explosions and stuff like that, it gets very bright. Mm -hmm. But the the base color seems to be toned down, and I'm not sure if that's supposed to be the case because it does look more realistic in some in some way, but also it makes the game looked pretty gray, but yeah, I, I would have like to have some kind of point of comparisons. Like, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like in HDR, mm -hmm. and that's that's what we're, we're getting now. Also, I have like a pretty old HDR monitor. I don't know if it has like the latest standards right. uh, that are needed. Like, I think I need like HDR 10, but yeah, I don't have that at the moment. My understanding is some games are also fairly lazy with how they do HDR. Um, mm. So it could also just be that those aren't great examples of HDR. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I would like to make sure that at least we get the, the render that you would get yeah, like on, yeah. on a Windows computer like yeah, or, yeah. or a PlayStation 5, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if, if it's still bad at the end, that's just a problem with the game itself. And yeah. no amount of game, yeah. work here is going to fix that. So where do you, where do you see, or where do you hope to see 
Linux go as a gaming platform? Because right now it's in a pretty good state. And it's it's yeah. hard to imagine how it really gets better outside of the anti-cheat stuff. But what would you like to see happen? Um, yeah, that that's a good question because, uh, as you said, there's like a lot of stuff that has already been done. I wonder if the next step is not is related to gaming or is just uh, improving the Linux desktop as in general, mm -hmm. like just improving the quality, just perfecting stuff. Um, like n now that we have most things working, it's going to be a lot of like polishing stuff and making things like really easy to use and really user-friendly and really predictable um more than having some big breakthrough because yeah I mean, what more can you want i mean uh, there's already like a bunch of games that will run better on linux than on windows uh i don't know like playstation 5 emulation xbox xbox one s emulation maybe uh i mean i'm just starting to get like X xbox 360 games running on linux so oh yeah uh, yeah, the the Xenia emulator is like Wait, sort of. They have Linux support now. I thought they were still. No, they don't. They don't. But you can run the emulator in Wine and. <laughs> and wait, Xbox wait. So you're running the, <laughs> you're running Xbox emulation through the not Windows emulation on Linux. Yes, uh, which is something we did back then with Dreamcast. I mean, the, the Dreamcast simulator at some point in Lutris mm -hmm. was null DC, which didn't have a Linux ports. So we used Wine to run null DC. And now mm -hmm. we have like tons of fancy uh, Dreamcast simulators. But yeah, back then we didn't have one. Mm -hmm. So that's not new as a concept. Uh, the thing is, we don't have X, uh, we don't have like Xenia as a runner. So you can't like download Xenia from the Lutris UI unless right. you use like the, the, the script on the mm -hmm. website. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. Um, another recent one was uh, PS Vita. PS Vita, I mean, uh, I, I tried it like a few months ago and I was like, oh no, that's not playable. <laughs> and I retried it like recently a few weeks ago and I was like, that's great. That runs great. Mm -hmm. uh, is that with uh, Vita 3K or is there another one? Yeah, Vita 3K. That's uh, I think it's the only one, and that is Linux native. Mm. <clears throat> um, uh, I don't know how yeah. much I can work on like command line stuff for Vita 3K. So I don't know if it's possible to have a Linux runner. Mm -hmm. uh, like I don't know if it's possible to type a command line and have a launch ga uh, a game launch directly. Mm -hmm. Or if you have to fire up like Vita 3K and then go through the menu, because right. it's, it pretty much replicates a, a PS Vita menu. Mm. So is there a way to, to launch things from like the command line? I don't know. That's a, the, the requisite to have a Lutris runner. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of more emulators, uh, in Lutris specifically, we need to implement cloud saves. That's a big thing. We need to implement like a, a game, U, uh, a full screen game UI, like uh, the Steam Deck UI. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think we're going to ship Lutris 1.0 when that's done. 
Wait, is it not? Wait, what is it? Wait, it's at, uh, right now, Lutra is 1.5.14. And yeah, I think we plan uh, 0.6 to be the GTK4 uh, port. Ah. And once, I mean, during the, the, the port of like two GTK4, we're likely okay. going to 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 shape also as well like the the cloud saves. Mm -hmm. There's a whole a whole bunch of stuff um, that are related to ratings as well. Mm -hmm. I would like to to work with um, Proton DB as well. Maybe include like Lutris games into Proton DB. Mm -hmm. uh, have setting like rating done differently, but that's yeah, that's work that has to be done on the website, on the API, and all that stuff. Um, I think, on, on yeah, on the Linux gaming side itself, there's not much left to do. I think if Lutris had a like full-screen UI back when the Steam Deck came out, maybe people would have reacted to it a little bit differently, because that's one of the things that MU Deck does really well. Like, they have a, you know, a nice UI that fits in with what like the Steam Deck is. But Lutris, you know, it, it's a desktop application. And that's not a bad thing, but, you know, it, it feels um, kind of out of place. I mean, yeah, for for sure, because the, the thing is, you go to the KDE on your Steam Deck, you install your games on Lutris, and then you you create those uh, Steam Deck shortcuts, and then you go back into game mode and run your game through there. Mm -hmm. But for, and for MU Deck, I think it was this, pretty much the same thing, because you had to go into the desktop mode, fire did, up an but, application, yeah, but they, and it would create, it would create like the shortcuts in, into the, there's probably some more automations than compared to Lutris. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something I will have to look into and better integration with the, uh, the Steam Deck UI would be nice. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that people would want to run like two different UIs on the Steam Deck. Um, having a good integration with the, the game UI, I mean, that was one of the, the reasons why I stopped kind of working on that full screen UI for the moment mm -hmm. was before because, okay, there's already a big uh, uh, one, one UI that works pretty well that has like not only um, like uh, an ability to launch games, but also to remap inputs, to mm -hmm. have like mm -hmm. on the Steam Deck, you can limit FPS, you can do a whole bunch of stuff um, that you couldn't do like on the, uh, the Lutris side. So it's better to so just that, integrate with that. Yeah, better to just create Steam shortcuts and use on top of, like a build on top of that. <laughs> uh, not only it's a lot faster, it's a lot quicker to, to ship like that that integration than just to have to rebuild basically Lutris from the, the ground up. Um, yeah, and uh, that that pushed like the, 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 the Godot UI on the back burner a little bit. Mm -hmm. So if we did build one like a full screen UI, I think it would mostly be for TVs, for right. like people okay. who want to to have like a Lutris console. Okay, that's. I say uh, Lutris yeah, consoles, fair. but like, um, like not. This is a concept that I want to to help push. Is so okay. We have the Steam Deck, so, mm -hmm. so it's a Linux console that's a handheld. Mm -hmm. But do you have like a, a a gaming console that's on your TV that's like hooked on your TV and use that like as a as a gaming system? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
um, it's kind of like I'm still not sure like how to proceed with that because uh, there's like playing games on the TV, but also there's like a lot of playing games that are not really like uh, FPS games, for example. I mean, you you'll always be like, more comfortable playing on a keyboard and mouse than rather than playing on TV. So I've experimented with like different setups. Uh, some like hybrid where you can play on the TV for part of the game and switch to keyboard and mouse. Like, um, yeah, it's kind of like it's not something that's like commonly done like before. Like having the the TV merge with like the PC gaming like together. Uh, right now you have either people playing on PC or people game playing on a console. And well, that's what Steam Big Picture Mode was yeah. originally supposed to be. Yeah, it it was supposed to be that, but then you are left into with all those games that I mean, sure, like the Steam Hunter was supposed to fix all of this. Yeah. But you'll never need a keyboard and mouse uh, for like most like a lot of games mm-hmm. still. So yeah. I uh, think well, if we'll there's see, I mean, this, yeah. if there's one thing we could see actually improve with Linux gaming like over the next coming years, it's having these launches offer native versions of themselves not just having to run the launcher through wine to then run the games through wine actually having like you know a native version of ea's stuff and ubisoft stuff and blizzard stuff and obviously there is with epic the heroic stuff so you don't necessarily need that but either open versions or native versions of those proprietary clients And open versions, that's kind of like, it's trickier. I mean, that one thing that's, because uh, I, I noticed that most of the time is that Epic Games uh, doesn't ship a DRM on top of the, like in addition to the DRM that's already present in the game. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have a requirement for the Epic Games launcher to be open uh, for you to, to launch a game from the Epic Game Store. Mm-hmm. So that's why Eric Launcher is able to exist. I was aware of that. Basically, uh, basically, yeah, you don't need. Sometimes you'll need like Epic Store, Epic Game Services, or yeah. Epic Online Services, but you don't have a requirement for Epic Game Store to be open. Whereas, like, good luck launching Overwatch without Battle.nets, you know. That's fair. Uh, or. Same thing for like Battlefield. If you want to run the Battlefield, you'll need to open uh, EA app. And it's the same thing for like Steam. Even for Steam games, if if you have like a Ubisoft game on on Steam, then what the when Steam does, it installs Ubisoft Connect, launches Ubisoft Connect, and then I mean it gets kind of crazy. So I'm not sure what you, I, I do get what you want. Well, I would like it if would that's be really not nice to have. I would like to and see like having, a um, like a native version of those clients. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not like impossible because most of those clients they use either Qt just, yeah, just or uh, WebKit. Yeah, yeah, a browser. I mean, it's all stuff that's here on Linux, um, and it's not that hard to do. And then you have to build up some kind of proton integration uh, into it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's basically it. Um, but I think I don't know if that would be. I mean, without 
the, um, the publisher, like without EA or Ubisoft or Blizzard going in and, and doing the work, yeah. I don't think that's something that's possible. It's like you don't have like an open source implementation on Steam, mm -hmm. so you can't really do the same thing for Steam. You have Steam, you have Valve that makes like the Steam for Linux and then brings the Proton integration, and you can't have it like any other way because you need Steam to run the Steam games. Mm -hmm. And it can't be like uh, some kind of open source uh, re-implementation. Well, as, as Tim Sweeney said, when the platform has tens of millions of users, I guess, I guess then he'll consider it. <laughs> I mean, at that point, I'm wondering like how many millions of users are there like right now, because I mean, we must be getting pretty close. That means that they're going to reconsider. Let's. How many users does Steam have? Steam users. Uh, how many users are on Steam? Uh, 132 million monthly active users. So about 2% of that are Linux users. So what is that? Uh, like 2.5 million? Something like that? All right, so yeah, maybe not enough millions for Team Sweeney, but <laughs> I don't know. It seems that they have Fortnite on so many platforms, and it seems that they have Fortnite on platforms that are much smaller than um, than Linux. I mean, even uh, who plays like Fortnite on the phone? I don't know, like anyone who plays Fortnite Every on the phone. Every single child in the entire world. <laughs> I, I there are... is it playable? Are they playing like for some, some kind of like Razor Kishi or um... they're playing on a touch? I don't I don't get it. I honestly do not understand how kids play games, but it's a common thing to now play games just on a touch screen and play a shooter on a touch screen. Yeah, that's kind of wild <laughs> in my perspective, but okay, okay. You were talking um... about playing Heretic too, so it's, your taste in video games is sort of it's a little bit distant to what you know, a 12-year-old's playing now? Yeah, but, you know, I, I've tested, like, recently, I wanted to try out Roblox, see <laughs> if it was working great on Linux, and um, it does It does run on, on Linux. You have to use, like, Flatpak and, and some, uh, some kind of, like, special launcher uh, for Roblox, but, yeah, I mean, okay, uh, I didn't get the game. I didn't get like what the game was about, really. So yes, it's it is kind of strange, but um, at least it does it does run for I guess for like, and that's that's another thing is like all those Android and iPhone games, it's very hard to preserve them. And I've been like working, I've trying to kind of get like you know those like bundles from Humble Bundle that mm. used to give you Android games. Mm. Well, most of them, like most of those games, don't run on Android, like at the moment. So mm -hmm. I don't know what solutions we have for them. I guess it's the same solution as the Linux problem. You just need uh, to emulate old versions, and at least there's a lot of dev tools for doing Android stuff. So it's not as big of a problem. Like you can you can run fairly old versions of Android. I don't know how far back you can reasonably go though. Um, so maybe it's not a complete perfect solution as it currently stands. Yeah. Um, also, you, you need to be on the same uh, architecture. So there's 
um, I've tried, like I have a VM of uh, Android X86 mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I've had some <laughs> limited success with it running games. I ha- I've had some success. First, first thing is like a bunch of stuff won't work if you don't have a touch screen. So you need a touch screen for to run like most stuff. Um, and a lot of stuff won't run with um, if you don't have like an ARM processor. Mm-hmm. And there is this translation layer called LibUdini. Mm-hmm. I think it's made by Intel, or and it's not maintained anymore. I don't think it is. I, I've tried to download it, and I couldn't find a way to, to get it working. So if anyone has knowledge to how to make LibUdini work for Android, then yeah, tell me about it. I want to know. I am just discovering this exists right now, so uh, maybe someone knows about it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Last running, li- yeah, running Libudini in uh, QMU in 2024. <laughs> that would be interesting. Well, we are just getting towards the two-hour mark now, so I guess it's about time that we uh, end off the show. Um, if somebody wants to get involved with Lutras, where is the best place to go? Uh, there's plenty on the the GitHub. There's like a tag, uh, the a tag uh, called Open to Community, where uh, basically I put everything that I know that I have very low chance working on. Mm-hmm. So if if you're interested in one of those things, uh, it's a pretty good way to get started. Or like any open issue, really. Or even if there's like no open issue, then maybe. So yesterday, uh, we we have like a Lutris release that's just out the door. It's going to be released like tomorrow or like the day after. Um, so I I went on GitHub and like makes made sure like all the issues were correctly li- labeled and like n- nothing that's still open that should be closed. Um, so right now we should only have like issues that are valid that should be worked on. Uh, so anything that's still open is game for anyone. Um, if there's like anything more involved, like, oh, I want to de- do this thing that's really kind of big, big development, mm-hmm. don't start anything big without like talking to me before. Because if I, if you do like, if you put like weeks of development to something and you say, okay, I've done this. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that doesn't fit the project at all. You've done all of this for nothing, sorry then yeah, I would prefer not have to say that. Mm-hmm. So just tell me, okay, I'm going to do this awesome thing that's like going to take a few weeks of development and it's going to be like this and like this and like this. Um, and I, I will be, okay, yeah, I, I then I can bring some advice on how to proceed for the development. Mm-hmm. I, have, I, I currently have like this PR that has is about uh, accept, like, Registering multiple accounts for a service, like mm-hmm. multiple accounts for GOG or multiple accounts for EA app. And basically the work has been done, but it broke so much stuff outside of that feature. And I was like, no, we can't merge that. I mean, and I don't have a good way to make it fit, like make that code fit into whatever, like what where we should be, like what the what direction the project would should be going. So mm-hmm. uh 
I think like the only solution is to just like redo the whole work from scratch and mm -hmm. to take a different approach. So I don't I want to avoid this kind of stuff. Um, other than that, you need like to have some knowledge with Python. If you have some knowledge with Godot and want to start, get started on like full screen UI, I mean that that would be cool because I have like very little knowledge of Godot, mm -hmm. and we need people with like good experience with Godot. Um, yeah, if you have like good experience with Wine, you can help Glorious Eggroll uh, work on like making patches with uh, Wine GE. That's always useful. Um, yeah, there's also a lot of work to do on the website. The website is kind of like more gets less visibility than the the, the full projects, mm -hmm. but it is open source as well. It is Python as well. Um, in my opinion, it is pretty easy to work on, but I've had a lot of experience with Django in the past, so maybe oh, it's Django not, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's Django. So it's pretty standard. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's about it. I mean, there's all. Of course, if you want to write a Bash script to, for um, one thing we we appreciate is when we have received builds for like open source projects, open source games. So we have this uh, repo on GitHub called Lutris slash Buildbots. Mm -hmm. And you, if you look into it, you ha we have all the build scripts for Wine, for all the runners, for DOSBox, for MAME, and also for all the game engines. So we'll have like Serious Sam, or we'll have Quake, or we'll have mm -hmm. Doom, or everything that's open source. We'd like to have like a build script. Um, now, can like Flatpak has kind of replaced kind of all that. Mm -hmm. If you want an open source game, you, the best way to get it is like through Flatpak, FlatHub. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to have like a FlatHub integration in, in Lotus because that will bring you like a whole lot of open source games uh, just available with one click. We don't have to maintain builds. That's maintained by FlatHub. I mean, that's that's a pretty neat stuff. Uh, but still, we still appreciate having those scripts around. Um, and that those can still be useful. So yeah, if Basically, uh, I, I want people to push them to build their own like preservation console. So that means they try to install every game they have played during the course of their lives, mm -hmm. since they were like a little kid to now. And they have all those games accessible. It's like you keep a book library or you keep a music library. Usually you keep like, your music for a bunch of years, you keep your movies like you don't get rid of them unless you have like a shift from like I don't know like DVD to Blu-ray for example or VHS to DVD or something like this. But in the case of video games, since like consoles keep like evolving all the time, then people can't have like this collection of video games like alive like mm -hmm. that keeps like uh, that stays the same over the, over the years. That's like consistent. And if you want to show your kids, like, oh, I used to play that when I was young, then you can just go on your library and click the game, and there it is. You don't have to go uh, buy something on eBay and uh, buy an old system or like hunt down, like uh, configure your emulator and all, all of this. It's already pre configured and it's already running. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I have like currently over like 
Well, I used to have like a 1,500 games installed on Nutris. Uh, but now it's, I think it's because I've switched like machines and I removed the hard drive. Right. And I, it, it removed like a bunch of Steam games. So now it's like 1,350. <laughs> oh, only something. 1,300. Oh, not that many. Yeah. But yeah, I try to, I mean, at that point, I have like everything. I spent a consequent amount of time playing in mm -hmm. my life. I have it like right here, like playable. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, if I think about a game that I used to play and it's not here, I'll just go and install it. Mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't be thank thankful enough for the archive for that, the Internet Archive. That is a very valuable resource for preservation. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else you want to mention or is that pretty much it? I think we covered a lot of things, yeah. We did definitely cover a lot of things. Um, if people want to go and monetarily support Lutris, you do have a couple of things for that, that as well. That would be, yes. Uh, the, the easiest way is to go on the Lutris website and go on to the donate webpage, mm -hmm. uh, which I recently added like a new sponsor section. So if you are like a big company and you want to sponsor Lutris in some way, that's also a possibility. Just reach out to me personally and we'll we'll see, like we'll arrange the details. But if you are just like an individual and you want to support Lutris, that's also great. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, Patreon, we have PayPal, we have LiberaPay. Uh, just keep in mind that for really small donations, uh, PayPal has a tendency to keep like a large amount of that they money. Do. So if you want, if you want to small to give like a small donation, it's maybe better to use uh, Patreon than PayPal directly. Mm -hmm. So that's the the cuts that's maybe that that I receive personally is much bigger than what I would with uh, PayPal. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, if there's nothing else to mention. I'll do my outro. All right. Okay. Awesome. Yep. Uh, so. If you want to see the audio version of this, you can see that over on pretty much any audio platform. If you're watching, if you're listening to the audio, you can find the video version on YouTube at Tech Over T. My main channel is Brody Robertson. I do Linux videos there six-ish days a week. Uh, I don't know what'll be out when this comes out, so go check it out. And I've got my gaming channel, Brody on Games. Uh, right now, I'm probably playing through Neo The World Ends With You and probably still Neptunia Sisters vs. Sisters. So hang around for that one. Uh, I ramble a lot. So if you want to hear me ramble and yell about nonsense on the stream, feel free to pop around for that one. Uh, I'll give you the final word. What do you want to say? Um, oh, yeah. There's something important to, uh, to mention. Okay. If you are in, the, in California in March, like you personally and like everyone in the audience mm -hmm. is welcome to come at uh, scale the scale expo so this is like the biggest events uh for uh, the, the biggest linux expo there will be like a lot of open source projects there will be lutris there will be uh glorious world will be here uh bug from proton db will be hopefully here as well uh and yeah um it's always like a awesome event i encourage people to come come there and come talk to us uh i really enjoy like having like receiving people and they, we talk about lutris so i can like demo stuff uh it's always uh, a great time to uh, to meet the community so yeah if you're 
in California, in Pasadena, uh, beginning of March, I think it's like the 9 or 10, 10th of March, <laughs> then yeah, come, come see us, um, will be like, uh, will be very cool. I would definitely like to do that at some point, but it's, getting and anywhere from like, Australia is expensive, it's $1,400 to get there for me. <laughs> oh yeah, if you're in Australia, yeah, I was wondering like which time zone where you were in, but if it's Australia, yeah. That's a bit complicated. Uh, <laughs> we've had people flying from the UK to scale, uh, but Australia, not yet. We've almost had it at some point, some, someone from Australia, but never happened. So yeah, maybe, I mean, uh, try to get year. like some sponsorship for, uh, for your travel to scale. That would be cool. That would be really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, so if, unless you have anything else to say, uh, I guess we'll end it there. Yep, very good. Yep. Cool. See you guys later.